You are listening to DNA Discoveries, stories of finding family. I'm Edward Looney. Each episode, I bring you interviews with guests who share their different stories of how they discovered their new family members. If you'd like to share your story of finding family on DNA Discoveries, you can contact me in one of two ways. The first, you can contact me by email at dnadiscoveriespodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to dnadiscoveries.fireside.fm and contact me through the contact form on the podcast host site. Today, we are speaking to an adoptee named Ken, and Ken, when he took his test, discovered a fact about himself that he didn't even know. Ken, you reached out to me, you sent me an email, you said you were an adoptee, you found your family, and I'm just wondering, first of all, tell me a little bit about your adoptive family that you grew up in, because I think that sets the scene for the rest of the conversation we're going to have. Oh, okay. Well, I am the youngest of four children that were adopted. Um, I had um, an older sister um, who's six years older than me, my sister Carol. I have uh, uh, another sister who is uh, five years older than me, uh, my sister Carmen. And I have uh, my brother who's four years older than me. Um, And uh, we were, my parents um, wanted to adopt children. Um, they, They really wanted to adopt a lot of children. So that they figured that the best way to get as many children as possible is to go into the foster um, home situation where she would they would take children as foster children. And then hopefully they were going to adopt every child that they got, which is that what eventually ended up happening. Um, it was a one I, for me, it was a wonderful situation. Um, I think it was a mixed bag for different uh, my other siblings. I think my other siblings had situations that made it very difficult for to be adopted. My oldest sister, she um, was a, she was a uh, she was fostered and she um, was uh, taken care of for four years. Her her biological mother wasn't ready to put her up for adoption. And so my mother was raising her, but seeing my sister on weekends. And my, I don't think my mother was able to, um, my, my adoptive mother was able to bond with my older sister. And I think it caused a lot of problems. Um, my, uh, my next eldest sister, Carmen, she came from a home where basically um, her, her, her biological mother was a, uh, um, Latina and spoke Spanish, and so there was a uh, a kind of a hard situation there. Whereas my sister was raised in an English speaking world, but she was sent back because she was a foster child back and forth, and it caused some difficulties. Um, my brother, um, he was fostered, and my parents were ready to adopt him when they discovered that he was deaf. And at once they discovered he was deaf, they were they were almost ready to pull my brother out of my parents' home thinking he'd be better off with a a deaf family. But then they changed their mind and my parents kept my brother. And that had problems too. And so by the time my parents got me, I was the first child. And because I was was, uh, born in an asylum in Chicago, 
my mother was suffering, my biological mother was suffering from schizophrenia. And um, I was the first child my, my adoptive parents got that my, right off the bat, they said, oh, his, um, his mother is sick. She's never going to have him. And my parents knew right off the bat, day one, I was going to be their child. And I think that that made it easier for my parents to bond with me. And so what ended up happening is all four of our ch us children had a different experience coming into the into the home. And I loved all my brothers and sisters and you know they are my brothers and sisters, but there are we each have different situations being in the same home. Wow, that's a very interesting kind of family backstory, right? And you mentioned that your brother being deaf. I'm wondering did you all in the family learn ASL in order to be able to communicate with him? Actually, once he started, they, they did not teach him sign language. They taught him to lip read. And so he, his school was designed for teaching him lip reading because they figured that that would make it easier for him. Um, but actually, I think in, in the long run, it made it harder for him because he ended up going to deaf schools and then they integr they integrated him into the public school situation, and so now he was in two worlds. He he lived red, but he had to deal with deaf children, and he did not know how to sign. Eventually, he did, but by going to school, learn how to sign. But uh, yeah, he could lip read, and uh, he was in two different worlds with the deaf signing and lip reading. So yeah, so it, we ne we never learned how to hand sign which actually caused some kinds of problems at times because my brother and his friends would sign when I, I was there and it was like they'd look at me and sign and I never knew <laughs> whether they were talking about me or not sure you mentioned also too that these three other siblings that they kind of were back and forth that your parents yeah. your adoptive parents were raising them but yet they would still have contact with their biological family uh in some ways and so um that means that they already knew a little bit about their family history who they were who their parents were and so that's different than your story because you're able to be fully raised by your adoptive parents. And that means that then you had questions about the identity of your mother or father, for example. And when, when was it that your adoptive parents told you that you were adopted, that they weren't your biological parents? You know, I think there was never a time I did not know that I was adopted. I mean, considering my parents were fostering, we had social workers at the house all the time. And so I just grew up thinking everybody had social workers around. And, you know, we were told from the beginning that we were adopted and I was given the book about how you were chosen and special. So I, I can't think of a time when I did not know that I was adopted. And I knew all my brothers and sisters were adopted, too. And, I mean, it's kind of funny. My my father's Italian, my mother's Irish, my uh, brother's German, and my sister's Latina. Uh, she's Puerto Rican. And my brother is German. There's no way anybody could, if they tried to hide the fact that we were adopted, we would have known because we looked so very different from each other. Now, let's talk a little bit now about your birth and that your biological mother was at Dunning Asylum in Chicago. For people that might not know what Dunning Asylum is, besides doing a Google search, what is this place? And uh, kind of what was the situation then, do you think, regarding your birth? 
Okay. Well, Dunning, Dunning Asylum is actually a nefarious asylum in the city of Chicago. Children used to be told that when, you know, from, you know, the 1950s and the 40s and 30s, well, you better behave or we're going to take you to Dunning. And it was basically uh, a place where people that had mental illnesses um, would be taken in Chicago. I mean, historically, when it was originally designed, it was put into the far west side in the country because it was believed back then that if you put people that were mentally challenged into the country they would be able to um you know the scenery and all that would help them uh it turned out to be a dumping ground for a lot of people and it was a really sad situation um with my history with my mother my biological mother got married young to from what i understand to escape a bad home life and um and she got one when she got married my, i'm sorry my 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 biological mother married early to escape a bad home life and um she got pregnant with um my older sister and it turns out that sh shortly after my my biological sister was born um that she was suffering mental instability we don't know whether it was postpartum depression but it must have it might have triggered her schizophrenia and she actually um she actually checked herself in she was the one who decided that she was having mental difficulties and and she was she came in and signed herself in and there's it's most likely she did that to get away from her husband who was probably being abusive towards her I mean, back in nineteen in the middle '60s, when she entered, there were no places for people who were abused. Women didn't have the jobs where they could take care of themselves as easily as we do today. And she checked herself in, and and around 1950. And I was born in 1965, so she was in the asylum for 15 years before uh, I was even conceived. And it turns out. And this is the biggest thing that I surprised when I when I was able to get in touch with my biological sister, is that um, because my mother checked herself in, she could leave the asylum at times for having day trips out. And I suspect from what I'm learning, she got a chance to meet my father in the asylum. He got discharged from the asylum, but he kept coming back and visiting visited her. So I was actually not conceived in the asylum. I think my mother was able to get out on day trips. And my sister, my biological sister, already knew this. She said, oh, well, you were probably, you were conceived on a day trip out. And, and my, my biological father knew her from, most likely knew her from the asylum. And so um, when she got pregnant, uh, basically... Uh, uh, she gave birth to me, and I was um, sent to the orphanage, uh, St. Vincent's in Chicago, and uh, I was then in foster care till my parents got me. Well, isn't that interesting that your biological mother, that she marries young in order to escape a bad family life, only then yeah. to marry a husband, that then she voluntarily checks herself in to an asylum to get away, perhaps, from this abusive relationship. And so, um, not a story for success for her, it seems. And so, but 
she has your older sister. She has you. And now tell me a little bit about how you came about finding your biological mother. How did you know that she was your mother? Was this from an ancestry test or was there another way that you came to this knowledge? Well, I was never able to find my biological mother. I was able to, oh, you mean in regards just to finding out who she was? Yes, yep. Well, what happened is, is my wife for years was trying, once we got married, she was always eager to find out about, you know, what nationalities I was. I mean, because I was told, my parents knew a lot of information about me because they were foster parents. They knew, they knew that I was of Swedish and Polish descent, from the mother, from my mother's side, um, but we knew didn't know who my uh, what my biological father's history was. So my wife was always eager to get me to try to take a DNA test. So finally, one birthday came around and she bought me a twenty three and Me test, and I took the test. And um, when I got the test back, it turned out that um, I was biracial which is something I had no clue that I was. It turned out that I was 30% um, African, and um, it, what did, what was told my parents was correct. I was 25% Swedish, 25% Polish, and a smattering of Scottish and Irish. And so um, uh, that's how I discovered that. And... Um, as I was on the list of being on 23andMe, I discovered I could talk to people on 23andMe, and I was talking to other adoptees who happened to be from Illinois, and they announced that Illinois had opened up the birth certificate so you could get your original birth certificate. <laughs> and so I thought that was great. So I um, sent away for my original birth certificate, and I had my mother's name on it, and I was able to get onto Ancestry and through Googling my mother's, or not, well, using ancestry kits to find out who my mother was tied to, I was able to find out who my grandparents were. And I was able to actually do a family tree. And I designed a family tree for my mother. And I was able to identify many people. And uh, 23andMe did not match me with many people. So I thought, well, I'll go with ancestry to see if I can't find anybody on ancestry. And on Ancestry, I was um, I got in contact. They met, matched me with a person who was a first cousin once removed, who turned out to be my mother's first cousin. And uh, I was able to get in touch with him, and I was kind of hesitant to tell him who I was because I knew I was conceived in an asylum, and I didn't even know if I was going to be a secret. I knew I might be a secret to my biological... I knew about my biological sister. My parent, That was part of my foster parents, my my mother and father told me at my youngest age, you have a 13-year-old a sister who's um, 13 years older than you. And um, that always played on my mind from the time I was, they told me when I was about six or seven, and I knew there was some sister out there. And it kind of galled me because it was like knowing that there's a sister out there that I didn't get the chance to know. You know, every time I would walk, I'd see, I wonder if she's somewhere near me, if she was somewhere near me. And I, um, uh, once I discovered my, um, my first cousin once removed that I mentioned, uh, he told me who my mother was, he told me who my sister was, and through the information he gave me, I was able to, through obituaries, track my sister down, <laughs> and I wrote her a letter and got in touch with her. 
Wow, that's incredible. So what was it like to begin a conversation through written letters then with your sister? Of course, as you mentioned, every place you would go, whether you were shopping at the grocery store or walking in the neighborhood, I wonder if this is my sister. And so what was that yeah. like to make that connection? Well, the first thing it was, was it was, first of all, it was scary because I knew that I had, I knew I did not know if my sister knew I even existed, my biological sister. I didn't know if I was going to come out of nowhere. And um, I, w- I was very concerned, especially since I was con- I discovered that I was born in an asylum. I was very, very concerned that I was conceived in rape. And I did not know if I was going to be coming to my sister and I would have the face of a rapist. <laughs> you know, was was this, it was, 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 you know, since I was conceived in the asylum, I was very concerned about that. And I was concerned about how that would affect my sister's life. Now, I, I sent you a picture of my sister. She looks just like me. So, I mean, it's it, it wasn't a problem. But um, I was very hesitant to get in touch with her because I was afraid she might have been told that she wasn't my mother, that she was my sister. Turns out I found her her obituary. In her obituary... Um, they did fudge the truth and say she was actually my grandmother's daughter and not she she was my they threw out the thing the obituary lists my biological mother as actually mm, i trying to figure out these what are complicated say, but, things so your biological they, sister was raised by your grandmother who claimed her as a daughter yeah so I was, yeah. That's that. That's the thing that I was concerned about. Um, that my that my biological sister would have thought that our grandmother was actually her mother, and it turned out that my biological sister had known all along that she was raised by her grandmother by our grandmother, and so um, when I found that, when I called when I wrote my sister the letter, I I um, I figured I did not know whether my sister knew I w- who who was who or how she was related to me. So I just wrote her a letter and said, hey, we're related some way. Can you tell me how you think we are related? I was going to let her tell me what she knew. If she would have said, oh, I'm your aunt, <laughs> then I would have just not said anything and played along. But she, she knew I was her brother, and, um, and it made things easier. I think that... Uh, once I got in touch with my sister, I'm, I'm in love. I mean, I love my sister. She's really, really great. She's, she's got the same personality that I have. It's kind of funny. You know, when you're raised as an adoptee, your personality, you love your adoptive family, but everybody's so different. Uh, when I talk to my sister, it's no doubt she and I are just cut from the same cloth. We have the same kind of personalities, and it, it was re- actually kind of great getting in touch with her. So as you got in touch with her, and that was some years ago now and here we are it's 2022 you continue that relationship do you celebrate holidays together what does it look like today well one of the things that we started facebook was actually kind of a helpful thing because i got in touch with her and in one way i could talk to her daily and you know we post things and make comments and stuff like that i think originally it, it took us a while to get um uh, used to each other. You, you get this situation where, especially considering the circumstances that we're coming from, we both know our mother was schizophrenic. So I, I have to wonder if we were worried about, well, did, you know, does schizophrenia follow in our family? 
And I think, especially for my sister, I think she probably needed time to discover, you know, was I stable? And I think once she realized it was, then we kind of relaxed. And, and now I, I think our relationship is really, really well. And we uh, see each other, I just saw her a couple of weeks ago, and, and we, 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 uh, um, we have a pretty good relationship. It's better than I thought, you know, I thought it could be. So we've talked a lot about your maternal side, about your biological mother, her residing at this asylum. And you mentioned your father in the sense that you were able to identify he was a previous resident of the asylum. He was emancipated, let go from the asylum. So then because she checked herself in, she could go and visit him and he could come visit her. She could leave the place only to return for the evening. So how did you come to determine and find out who your father was then? Well, actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, like many adoptees, I can't say for every, but most adoptees wonder, who the, who's my mother? Who's my mother? And once I found my mother, it's kind of like, okay, well, um, uh, I really didn't give my father much of a second thought. But my, my wife once encouraged me. She says, you know, Find out as much as you can about your father. And I had some second cousins that were, uh, now I know they're second cousins. I didn't know the thing of anything about Santa Morgans and all that kind of stuff until I started. And I got in touch with one of my second cousins and I was able to talk to him. And um, through discussing with him, I was able to get together a family tree. Now, my, my paternal um, line is actually, in, some, in many ways, much more interesting than my maternal line, because it turns out, being biracial, it turns out that I have relative, I mean, on my paternal side, um, one of my grandmothers, or my, let's see, my, I found my, um, my uh, great-grandfather in the 60s. South Carolina, 1860s um, uh, census. This is before, while the Civil War was getting ready to start. That they were free persons of color, and that um, that my great grandmother was a free person of color, and she owned property in the South in the middle of the Civil War. <laughs> and I did not expect that I would find out that I would have I would have a grandmother who actually owned property, and it turned out that. She, she had generations above before Ben descendants of slaves, but somehow, and I can't figure it out how, um, she was adopted by somebody and uh, she was, she obtained property. And as I say, I don't know how that worked. So I discovered that. Uh, so some of my relatives are free persons of color. Other members of my relatives are, were slaves. And, um, I um, discovered by just simply doing the line, it was a, a matter of um, a process of elimination when I discovered that I had a, um, somebody who was on Ancestry was my, it turns out was my first cousin two times removed. And they knew who my, grand, my, my uncle was. And they were able to give me information that helped me figure out exactly uh, who my father was. And it's kind of funny. They were the one I mentioned to them. I said, I was conceived in, or I was born in an asylum. 
And they mentioned and said, well, we talked to our uncle, and uncle said that we had a great uncle that was in an asylum in northern Illinois, northern Illinois. And what threw them off is I was off a generation. What I mean by that is my father was 60 years old and my mother was 35 years old. (laughs) So, So they were anticipating that I was their first cousin. And it turns out that we were first, the, the lady that I was talking to who gave me the information, she was my first cousin once removed, meaning I was one, biologically, I'm one generation ahead of her, but we're the same age. <laughs> so she was anticipating that I was her first cousin. Turns out that I'm, I'm her mother's first cousin. And so it threw everything out. It turns out that my great-grandfather was born in 1853 you know that was something that was throwing me off and when i was doing all my trying to figure out who's who and um so once she told me oh uh, our great-grandfather was in an asylum in northern illinois i knew exactly who it was there's there bingo there's there's dad and she had told me that my father was for some reason taken to the asylum and I suspect it might have been something our society did because she said the family had to fight to get him out of the asylum. They 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 challenged him being in the asylum and they fought and they got him out. <laughs> so he was so where what it appears is he met my mother in the asylum. The family fought, got him out and she would she would get her day trips out and she knew him from the asylum. Was it a shock for you to find out through ancestry DNA or 23andMe that you were biracial? Uh, yes, actually very much so. Uh, you know, it, it, a lot of this has to do with this, your self identity. You know, I remember before the results came out on 23andMe, I'd look in the mirror like many adoptees do. I hear this in the stories all the time. And it's like, well, just who are you? <laughs> I mean, you know, and I couldn't make out what race, you know, I knew what race I was because I, I was, I mean, I, I, I'm clearly white, but I had, but the interesting feature is that I also had an Afro, <laughs> which it, it, it just doesn't fit. So I, 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 but I did not realize that I was part African American. And so when I discovered that, um, you know, I think I, I met, I, an interesting thing is most people who are white had no clue that I had African American heritage in me, but it was when I started going to college, I would run into African American students and they'd look at me and they'd say, you know, you're, you're black. And I'm like, I, I didn't, it didn't appear to me that I was black, but it it, it was a shock. Um, as I say, I had to learn that, you know, I, I just assumed that, you know, white people had afros because I had one, and it was a it was a surprise. And uh, uh, it, now I realize after getting the dealing meet, meeting people, I also, I'm also um, part Swedish too. I have some relatives in Sweden that I have been in contact with. My grandfather came over here from Sweden, and I realize, you know, I after looking at all the different races and all the different things, it, it appears that. Uh, uh, the ethnicity that I appear to be is actually Polish, <laughs> Polish with a with a with a Afro. So, 
it was it was it was not something that I was expecting to have to deal with, but it's that I realize now, you know, God called me into existence the way I am, and now I can I consider myself biracial. I mean, it, 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 you know, you know, I, the way I see it is is God chooses the ethnicities, the family members you have, and uh, I feel close, and you know, it's realizing when I know who my, I now know who my four grandparents are. And it's like a, I have a 100% Polish grandmother, 100% Swedish grandfather, and uh, two African-American uh, grandparents. Uh, and so and that's what makes, <laughs> makes me who I am. And I'm, I accept everything that God has called me to be. You're connected with your biological sister from your mother, your biological mother. Yeah. Now, is there any relationship ongoing with some of the paternal side of the family i've i have discussed i've had emails and t discussions with uh, um with members of the family but i don't have any ongoing r relations with them no okay but one of the but, but one of the things is is they were really accepting of me as you know as i as i you know anytime i want to talk get discussions it's been really you know uh you know I feel totally accepted, but it's, as I say, it's, it's, um, it's not, it's not the same with it. my, it turns out my biological sister lives, um, an hour away from me. So I, it's easier for me to see her. It was your wife that really prompted you to go and to find out all of this information about who you were. And are you happy then that you did it? Are you happy now that you know who your mother is and who your sibling is and all of your family history? Oh, uh, without a doubt. I mean, I can, you know, it's it's interesting now that I've been able to see, you know, who who my, I, you, know, I have a, you know, I have a picture of my mother. I have a picture of uh, my grandfather. I, and, I, I, and I've dealt with my family members. Um, you know, I, I like being able to look in the mirror and know where I've come from. I like, and, and I really am happy. I know sometimes I know some, for some adoptees, this isn't the case. I, but for me, it's, um, I feel that God wanted me to get in touch with my biological relatives. You know, this is one thing that ties in with the, the Catholic faith that I have is this notion that, um, we, once we die, we don't cease to be family members. We some go to heaven. We go to you know. There's the what we call the church um, triumphant, and we on earth are the church militant. We're trying to get to heaven, and I feel that. And we also, as a Catholic, we believe in the church suffering and purgatory, where we pray for the souls who have gone before us. And now that I know who my relatives are, you know, I know the names of my great grandparents. I know who the names of my grandparents. I now know that I can pray for them and, and pray for their good. And I know that they, in turn, can turn and pray for me. And so um, I feel that God has called me so that I could still have communion with my family members and uh, hopefully one day be reunited in heaven. So the, the, the big thrill for me is I don't think the relationship has ended. I do hope one day to see my mother and father and, and my all my grandparents. 
So, I mean, I think that uh, I don't feel like those relationships have necessarily come to an end. And knowing these things and knowing who these people are, knowing that my relatives came from Sweden and South Carolina, and it, it, it to me, I think it, it helps me understand who I am. So, yeah, if I had to do it all over again, I'd do it, I'd do it again. Now, I knew I had to find ugly things. There were things that, uh, you know, one of the things that I always wanted to know was what hospital I was born in. And I figured once I was going to get my original birth certificate, I'd know what hospital it was going to be. And I expected it would be something like St. Joseph's Hospital or St. Mary's Hospital. And I looked up and the, just had an address. And so I took the address and put it in and it said, well, this used to be Dunning Asylum. And that was probably that was the hardest thing for me to come to grips with is <laughs> I was born in an asylum and it, it just, it, it, you know, I, it kind of was like shocking. That was probably the most shocking thing. Um, cause I never thought about that. And, uh, but uh, even then I realized that I think that it's it, God was calling me to come into existence the way I did. And now I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I know everything, the good, the bad, everything. One of the things that you said really resonated with me, the idea that, you know, you have a picture of your mom, you have a picture of your family members. And when I was doing this, I'm the child of an adoptee, so I'm not the one that was adopted. But when my mother died, I made it my kind of quest to discover the picture and more about her biological family. And so I ended up going to Superior, Wisconsin, where my mother's biological mother lived. And I went to the library there and I got the yearbooks from the years that I thought that this mother would have been in school. And I had the name. And so uh, it was funny, maybe, that the librarian was standing there because I had told her the whole story of why I was there. And so it was as if she wanted to be a part of that moment. And I just remember opening it up and going to the letter M and finding the biological mother and realizing, first of all, that my mother and her bear such great similarities, you know, and uh, mm. it was just a very moving moment for me to to say, oh, this was who my mother's mom was this is actually my biological grandmother and there was something about that and then to research more of the family history and to know it and to appreciate it and uh, maybe one day i'll do a whole little series about uh my own quest of finding all this information kind of what it was like for me and also too you mentioned uh that you are connected because of your faith and that was the same thing for me that i realized and uh me being a catholic priest um when I shared my story, uh, I shared it with Catholic Digest. Uh, at the time, it was imprint and publication. Now it's only an easy format. But uh, my article was praying for the family that I never knew. And so right. um, once I knew them, I was able to pray for them. And even though they've gone to the Lord, I could pray for them still and somehow feel connected as you were sharing uh, with them. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You, you talk about praying for them. It's it, it's kind of funny every day. I it's kind of funny discovering all these things has actually even changed my wardrobe. Um, I know every nationality that I am, and each day, um, I know I have relatives of different nationalities. Like today, I know my my adoptive mother was Irish, one hundred percent Irish. Today, I'm wearing a Kelly Green sweater, and there's a purpose for it. And I usually wear something Kelly Green every on um, every Tuesday. That reminds me to pray for those relatives that went before me that were from Ireland. Monday is a t Italy. That's my by adoptive 
father's nationality. Uh, Wednesday, you know, Wednesday, I, I, I mixed the clothes with um, the colors of South Carolina and um, for my, my, my slave, the descendants that were slaves, South Carolina colors. Each day, I wear a different color that reminds me of the different r relatives that I um, want to pray for that day. So, I mean, I can be walking down the street, see my reflection and see the colors that I'm wearing. And it's like, oh, yeah, OK, for Lord, for those people that are of my um, Italian descent, please, you know, eternal rest grant unto them. And it's because I want I, I, I look at my being that God called me into existence in an asylum, which I think is the darkest place you could be. And I think God is God can use me in such a hard straits now to pray for every person who are, who are who are connected to me biologically and 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 in my adoptive family too and so yes I, I when i hear you talking about praying for those i didn't know that's something that has become part of my spirituality is praying every day uh for those that went before me and for those people who don't who are related to me that don't even know they're related to me that are alive today we talked a little bit about the reception that you've had with your biological family. Now, what did your adoptive family make of all of these different discoveries as you sought to find it all out? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. My, my adoptive parents died. Um, so um, my, my adoptive mother was very encouraging to me. She knew a lot of my history, and um, she encouraged me to try to find out um, find my biological family. Um, I know that's not always the case, but uh, I, for the longest time, I felt that if I would look and try to find my biological relatives, I would be um, being disloyal to my father and mother. So for years, I, you know, I would tell my wife, I don't want to look into this stuff. I don't need to know. Um, and it, it took me a while and once the DNA test came out, I think a, a lot of it changed, especially when my children themselves were born. When I had my first biological relatives, and um, that encouraged me to look. Um, my my other siblings, um, they're in very different their situations. My eldest sister was able to find her mother. She found her mother and her and her sister. Uh, and so she had a very good relationship with her, her biological relatives. My other, my other siblings didn't look that I know of. So, but, uh, uh, I didn't get any, I, I shared the information with my siblings and they're, they're all thrilled about it. So I didn't catch any, where anybody had any problems with me doing it, but, uh, I'm glad. I did. Being an adoptee, you have such a great interest. You love hearing other stories. You were remarking to me before how many uh, different podcasts that you listen to that share kind of these stories. So what is it that gives you encouragement as you hear stories? And now as you tell your story with a wider audience as well, um, why why is there that interest to, to hear the stories of other people? Well, I, I think it's it's interesting to hear what other people have to say. Cause I mean, I had in all my life, with the exception of my, my brothers and sisters, I did not know any adoptees. I mean, adoptees, I believe make, you know, they're, they're, they're a small percentage of the population. So it's 
So to actually listen to other people's stories, it's to, it's, I'm able to hear that, you know, I'm not alone, that there are other people that have experienced this. And so actually being able to deal with people in the uh, adoption community actually is very therapeutic because when I was doing a lot of my searching into, for my relatives, I got on the DNA sites where there were a lot of adoptees that, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. You, there are, play, there are sites like, um, DNA, uh, uh, um, DNA detectives, lots of adoptees are on those lists and they know the tricks on being able to find their relatives and in dealing with these people and talking to them, it, it's realizing I'm not alone where I'm at, that this is something that's very common. One of the things about listening to the different stories is every story, it seems to me, it's, is a different story. There is, there is no, oh, I'm an adoptee, so there's one story. Everybody's different. Some adoptees look for their family and regret the day they ever did. Some adoptees look into their stories and they're grateful. Like for me, I'm glad. I mean, every time I look in the mirror, I know where I'm, I, I, I know my, my roots. Um, it's, it's fascinating that it's here everybody's got you know like in my story i don't think that there's many people who would have thought that they're that if you were conceived in a in a asylum that your mother would have been able to get out and leave and come back and leave and come back until i did the research until i found my sister who told me you know that's the thing that i was you know i thought what is she going to think uh, did was she was she going to think i was conceived in the asylum and that, that maybe of rape and no her she she had a nonchalance about it oh you weren't Oh, you, my! Your, our mother got out, and she, she conceived you outside of the asylum. It's like she already knew. I mean, she even told me this is she. Um, she um, she took it for granted that I was conceived outside of the um, uh, the asylum. And my my sister's daughter, my my niece, she she told me your father was a trucker, and I said what? <laughs> she said, yeah, your father was a trucker turns out that when i did the research into the backgrounds of my family my father's family they were ice truckers and they were um they were cold truckers so it's like a lot of this information was already known and to be honest with you i think that there's a lot of information that a lot of people know that they're not telling me <laughs> and they may have good reasons for not telling me everything they know but it seems like uh very often for the adoptee there are people around that know a lot more you know about your situation than you do yourself but that being said i like listening to everybody's stories because i know it's going to be so different that's why i like your listening to your podcast because you never know who you're going to interview you know you never know you know what different kind of an adoptive story is going to come out and that's what makes it so interesting to hear what other people have to say yeah, and I'm so grateful that you tune in and that you reached out to me and now that you've shared your story and hopefully as you do so, it'll provide encouragement and hope for other people as well and uh, and maybe they'll come forward and they'll share their story with me as well. So I'd like to thank you so much, Ken, for joining me today on DNA Discoveries and sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Today on DNA Discoveries, I've been speaking with Ken and he shared with us his story of finding family. He came to learn the circumstances of his birth and even revealed to us that he discovered a new fact about himself, that he was part African-American. If you have enjoyed today's conversation, 
I'd ask you to please share this podcast on Facebook, on Twitter, on your social media. Please also rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast you listen on. And if you have a story that you would like to share, you can contact me at dnadiscoveries.fireside.fm by using the contact form on the host page or directly by email at dnadiscoveriespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family. I hope to share another story with you real soon.